Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sock Takes Pod, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. This is episode 61. Can't believe we've knocked out this many episodes in our two short years of existence. But anyway, great, great show lined up for you guys today. Uh, I got a pair of Johns with me, so I'll start, I guess, by introducing the one that's, I guess, only slightly less famous than the other. It's my good buddy, Sock Take staff writer, John Leonard. John, what's going on out there in FC Dallas land? I, I know it looks like they're playing the kids and uh, picking up some results as well. How's life? Uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, Lucci is uh, very, he's catching on quick. And the what we feared might be a dramatic, scary transition has turned out to be a lot more comfortable than we thought. Uh, young players are stepping up and showing that they really do have what it takes to be an MLS. And we've got our uh, USL team finally kicking off in USL League One this Saturday night, which it's, it's new league, new team, new era, a lot of great new things happening. Excellent. And we've got a great guest today. He is U.S. Men's National Team legend and current head coach and sporting director of Greenville Triumph SC, an expansion team in USL League One, uh, who has their inaugural match this Friday, uh, March 29th, at South Georgia Tormenta FC. So, uh, Coach Harks, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, welcome to the show. How's it going? Kevin, John, uh, good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, everything's uh, everything's going well. We're uh, we're really excited, uh, certainly about you know opening up uh, a brand new league. You know, so many unknowns, right? And we talk about expansion, as you just mentioned. Um, you know, the growth of the game in this country has been phenomenal, uh, especially in the last you know three to four years. And so USL continues to just go you know from strength to strength. So. We're uh, we're honored to be part of it and to to be included in that first opening game of, of a brand new league is is pretty special. So, um, you know, we're 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 really excited, really excited here. Awesome, and we're going to kind of divide this episode up, I guess, into kind of two halves. First part, we'll talk about other stuff, some USMNT and whatnot, uh, and then we'll finish. We'll go back to the triumph to finish, since you know that's the fresh topic, uh, and the season's about to start right now. So. Um, why don't we start with one of the most the most current things in the soccer news world, the USMNT's one one draw yesterday against Chile on home on home soil. Uh, I wasn't particularly impressed. Uh, they came out very sluggish, um, and in the end, uh, Chile actually connected on seven hundred ninety five passes, which is usually not going to get a result when you uh, allow a team to string together that many possessions but some of the positives they did kind of improve in the second half made some adjustments so it wasn't all bad uh john did you get a chance to watch that match and what did you think i saw um i oh sorry john i meant coach oh, sorry Hart, john go ahead oh john. yeah sorry sorry um i i did watch it um i was working um preparing obviously for friday um and and so i was watching it but as i i discussed it today with some people, I didn't get to watch it thoroughly or deep enough to really dissect it throughout the game. Although I will say one thing about this, we're at a critical period right now uh, for our, our national team on the men's side. And, you know, after, after going through what we did and, and failing to qualify for this past World Cup, it is extremely important that we are not 
overanalyzing or overcritical of this beginning reassessment stage that Greg Berhalter finds himself in. And so, you know, we constantly ask for play the kids and play the young guys and give new faces opportunities. And that should continue um, over a period of time in the beginning. Uh, but uh, essentially, at some point, Greg's going to have to make decisions based on this is my team going forward and this is the team I'm going to qualify with. And so up until that point, I think we've really got to be patient here um, as a nation. And we've got to be a little bit more understanding about this process because it is like a, a rebirth in some, some ways. If we, if we do it the right way, we're going to be better off. But if we become too super critical and nitpick on all these little things, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to find ourselves like focused and locked in on the negativity, which really does not stimulate growth or have a growth mindset. It, it, it kind of locks you in a little bit and, and it's really low feeling on us. So I'm hoping that as a nation, uh, that we can all kind of embrace the newness of what's going on here. And it's not going to be instant, guys. It's not going to be snap the finger and we're playing brilliant soccer all of a sudden. Um, it's going to be like, huh, let's see what ticks. Let's see what kind of groups are out there together, the combinations, the personalities. And then, of course, with the experience and the young guys, you need a balance there. So I'm hoping that people can take into this equation that it's going to take some time, guys, for sure. But I wasn't overwhelmed or and I wasn't underwhelmed by the performance. I thought... Chile had a lot of experience on the pitch. Um, they were definitely technically better all around uh, on the pitch as well. I thought they were organized. And like you said, um, Kevin, collectively with the ball, uh, they, ma- they were very efficient. And they, were, they maximized the use of the ball very well. So, look, at the end of the day, we've got to learn to, to play through those adversity games. We've got to learn. So that, that to me is another test. It's another challenge. So hopefully, you know, that continues to build and we grow from there. And as a fellow coach with a, a high soccer, uh, sorry, uh, a high soccer acumen, how would you characterize Greg Berhalter's coaching style? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's hard unless you're being coached by Greg to really say that, you know, have an opinion on it because, you know, what the work he's done overseas, the work he's done at Columbus Crew, um, his coaching style, he's, he's a good communicator. I think he connects well with the players um, for this generation, especially when we talk about the millennials and the younger generation, how, um, they react really well to that in a positive way. Um, so I think he has that right. Um, from a structural standpoint, to shape, I think he has an, some ideas on the way the game should be played in, in terms of patterns. But um, look, other than that, I, I think there's still time will tell, you know, over what, what his style is at the national team level. Coaching club and coaching national team is completely different. Um, you're coaching a club and not, not per se like when I'm doing a Greenville Triumph where I'm building it from scratch. You're normally taking over a club that has some type of identity that's there, whether it worked well or it didn't work well. Um, but you're adding pieces to it and you're putting your stamp on it that way. And sometimes you're adding six to eight, maybe 10 players in a roster of 25 at the MLS level. So um, with the national team, it's a, it's, a, it's a collective gathering and you need to be casting a big net in that regard. And now it's about putting the right pieces on the field. 
Um, and so he becomes a chess master in some accent, extent. And you're not doing it on an everyday basis, in a week-to-week basis, like you are in a league. You're doing it, you know, at certain time frames you know, throughout that, that sometimes have gaps in between. So the other work that comes with it is quite a bit of scouting, you know, as well at the national team level, making sure you're seeing these players play and what they're doing within their own environments. Because when you take them out of those environments, you got to make sure um, that not just based on character and ability and skill sets and everything else, but you want to see the mentality of a player and how they, they deal with adversity when you step up that national team. So hopefully, you know, over this process, um, I enjoyed my conversations with Greg very well um, often. And so I I think he's going to do well with this group. I really do. John. So uh, it's, it's just interesting to hear you because you had the perspective of playing with Greg Berhalter during your time on the national team together. Uh, Do you think that, there's a, a similarity into how he saw the game as a player to how he sees the game as a coach. And for you as well, how you saw the game as a player and how you see the game as a coach. Well, for Greg, I mean, you know, hard uh, defensive player, uh, but pretty intelligent. You know, I think, you know, even from a deep position as a center back, he could also play as a six. Um, I remember him when he was a younger player. Um, because, you know, he could, he's comfortable playing left-footed and right-footed. He could play on the left side um, coming out of the back. So a lot of times people think just because he played in a defensive role that he's going to be a defense-minded coach. And sometimes it's the opposite. Like Precky, he was a, more of an attacking number 10, full goal game wherever in the, in, the, in the final third. Yet at the end of the day, he, he focused a lot on the defensive shape of the team. So it's almost like you coach the opposite of what your personality is sometimes. So I, I'm not sure if I, I know he does think cerebral um, on the bigger picture, which is very good. And he had that in him when he was a young player in New Jersey. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, switching gears to me, um, I was a big picture person. I had, you know, uh, when I played, it was more about, I can be that box to box midfielder. I can, you can put me in any spot in the field and I can figure it out um, because I did think big picture, but I had a lot of vision. So I was always looking at three, four other players off the ball instead of just focusing on the ball. So seeing that, you know, taking a snapshot of the field. So that's kind of how I coach. And I try to e- expand the minds of the players that I coach and give them self-belief because they are capable Um I do coaching through encouragement quite a bit. Um, I do hold players accountable too. And I, I have high expectations, but I also don't push them to a point where, you know, you, you make it a negative situation. So I, I, te- I tend to always kind of remind them about how fortunate they are to play soccer and make a living out of it. But also in the style of play is to think big picture. You have to be able to see the field and, you know, it's, it's more about interpreting space on the field, the timing of your runs, um, the connectivity to the player that's near you, you know, so you have a great understanding and relationship on the field because that's how, that's how I grew up. That's what I had with Tavros. That's what I had Tony Miola looking behind me, knowing that Tony was there. I, I felt sound and secure. So it gave me freedom to kind of create and, and, and play and get after the game and be a hard player. Um, so, so those things are very important. And so the makeup of his staff and the makeup of, you know, his players and their personalities is going to be key to his, to his success. 
Very cool. Thank you. And uh, one of your other previous stops, of course, John, was at FC Cincinnati in their inaugural season. Have you had much of a chance to, to catch uh, some or all of the FC Cincinnati games? And uh, do you like what you've seen so far? Uh, I did catch the opening game at Seattle um, with, with that blistering strike of a goal, uh, the opening goal, which was brilliant. And then um, they ended up losing, I think it was 4-1 maybe, maybe five, could have been more, but they found themselves in a tough environment, tough situation as a first one. I, I hadn't seen any of the other games since then, but I know they had a great result at home against Portland. And then they went on the road in, in New England. I know New England has been struggling uh, this past year. Uh, so for Cincy to have that confidence and, and that commitment to go on the road and win a game, which is fantastic early on. So, yeah, happy to see some of the boys that I still coach there doing well and, um, you know, the club doing well, because that's that was the idea from the beginning, just setting them up for success and making sure that they were heading in the right direction. And, John, any final uh, non-Triumph questions for Coach Harks before we move on to Greenville Triumph SC? Well, just a few. How much of uh, your son's games in Scotland have you been able to catch lately? Because uh, he, I didn't know that just yesterday he played the full 90 again for Dundee, and uh, they won that one nil. Yeah, they got a great result there, John. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're a little bit uh, <laughs> uh, restricted in terms of what we can see. There are their home games, uh, which are live if you join in their club. Um, and supporters club that you're able to watch their home games through streaming. So I've uh, been keeping up with that um, and seeing a lot of his football and he's playing well. He's enjoying it. Um, he's, he's learning again from a great coach, Robbie Nielsen, a young coach there who's doing well and he cares a lot about his team. Um, they went through, he came in the January transfer window at Dundee United and there was a, a big change there, a, a huge transition of, six, maybe seven players coming in and about 11 going, going out. So being part of that too creates some strength in, in him because you have to go through that adversity and you have to fit in quickly and you have to solve problems and find solutions as a team. So, you know, to be part of that is, is, is a really good growth um, challenge for him. So I was really happy that he's done well and you know, he had an ankle injury. He had uh, he had to numb it up and take an injection to play. He played one of the games, and then he had to sit out another game. Um, and then he came back in slowly on the bench and then started, as you say, against uh, Dunfermline uh, the other night away from home and got a great victory. So they won three in the trot. And, you know, he's competing and doing well, playing in that number eight role, getting that box-to-box in. You know, one thing's for sure is that, you know, the conversations we have is he certainly is hardening up as a player to being in that Scottish championship level because sometimes he's like looking to play more football and keep the ball in the deck and keep possession. And they're all looking at him like, we don't do that here. So it's been, it's been funny, you know, some of the conversations from his end. He's like, man, dad, I really want to keep the ball and just. I need five extra passes like we're used to, and they just want to go straight route one. And he goes, wow, it's been interesting. But he loves it. He really does. And uh, my wife, Cindy, just flew over there last night to uh, kind of surprise him for his birthday on Saturday. He's got a game, and uh, he's turning 24. So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's doing well, man. I'm really, I'm really happy for him. And is it cool to have your son playing for the team that your dad grew up supporting? 
it is unbelievable, John. I mean, you think about all the clubs around the world that maybe he can go out and try out for and be on loan for, or be bought by. And it's to think that he's revisited my dad's youth club um, where my dad grew up two blocks away from Tanadice stadium, uh, Dundee United stadium. And uh, he's, he's wearing the colors and representing the club. It's just amazing. My dad is still like, I, I don't know if my dad's giving me more than 12 words. He, he's so choked up. He can't even speak right now. He's so emotional, but um, it, it's been great. It really has. It's a blessing. And, uh, you know, God has a plan. So we'll see what happens. Very cool. And it's, it's fantastic. And yeah, if you missed you. the beginning of the show, John Harks is joining us today. Head coach of Greenville Triumph SC, also the sporting director <clears throat> and of former USMNT fame. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. The team has their home opener coming up this Friday, March 29th. Uh, so, Coach Harks, I'm curious, what is, what's kind of um, the the agenda for this weekend? Is it because I know from Greenville to Georgia, I don't. It's probably not too far. So, are you taking a bus? Are you flying? Are you going out just one day before, two days before, day of? What exactly is kind of the the the, the travel schedule and how you guys prepare for the match? Well, John, we're gonna we're gonna uh, Kevin, we're gonna fly in our private jet that we have. Um, that we rented. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We're, uh, <laughs> we're busting. <laughs> we'll be training tomorrow. Uh, normal time tomorrow morning. Um, you know, again, we, part of the preparation, um, is, is breaking down to make sure, uh, that our guys are, are razor sharp with the details of responsibilities, not just for, and, but also against. And, um, but we'll have some video and things like that. I jump on a bus tomorrow afternoon. We'll head down there. It's a four hour drive, as you say. Um, and then we'll stay overnight and prepare. And then, you know, we'll do a walkthrough, see the stadium, um, Georgia Southern, uh, is where they play. And it's, it's a beautiful pitch. Uh, head coach, John Murphy is down there and he coached me as a goalkeeper coach, uh, coached on our team at the New England revolution years ago. So I know John pretty well. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're excited about it. Um, you know, we've done a lot of hard work in preseason right now. Uh, the physical periodization went very well over a six-week period. Our ownership group, uh, Joe Irwin, Shannon Wilbanks, uh, Doug Irwin, his son, uh, and, of course, Joe's wife, Gretchen, uh, were, were very kind enough to allow us to go to IMG Academy for a week and, and do a preseason training in, in its first year for League One. And um, that, that gave us a great opportunity to bond and have that chemistry and just kind of focus on our game and our physical conditioning, which was great. Um, and now we're at a point where that hard work is done. And I tell our players, look, um, you have to understand what you've achieved. You also have to understand that, you know, we're all fortunate to be part of this and to be in a situation where, you know, this, this opportunity that's been laid before us is, is is based on really a vision of our ownership group. It, it was on hope and, and what they wanted to do in the community of Greenville, South Carolina and the upstate. And so, you know, when we fight and we compete and, you know, you think about all the training sessions we had, the discipline, the sweat, um, you know, everything that we've put into it now, congratulations, because that part's over. Um, now, now comes the hard part and that's stepping up, but also enjoying the moments and stepping up to be, you know, creative to, to use your imagination and to work hard and, and represent the club. Well, win, lose or draw in the first game, you got to go out there and represent the club. Well, so I think we're in a good spot. Um, 
you know, we're looking forward to the game Friday night. We're looking forward to being part of history in this league um, as a brand new league. Uh, but we also know too, and I'm, I'm, I'm clearly stating this for them is lying out the big picture of things. It's a long season and uh, this is one game of many. And so, you know, depending on, you know, how this result goes or not, we have to come back here and we have to prepare the week uh, just after for our first home opener on the April 6th against um, uh, Lansing and Ignite. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's getting them in the right frame of mind, but also understanding that, uh, you know, they're part of something longer. It's a part of a bigger, you know, journey. And so I think they're okay. They're, 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 in, they're excited and they're, they're looking forward to it. And how exactly did the Triumph coaching gig come to fruition? Did you maybe put a feeler out there and reach out to someone and, you know, say, hey, you know, if you're looking for a coach, I might be interested. Or was it a random call from the owners? Uh, how exactly did it come about? And also, uh, to tack on a part two to the question, um, was it was the pitch all along for you to, to be both sporting director and head coach? Or was that something that was just kind of worked out in the negotiation process? Um, well, the first part of it was uh, they knew of my daughter, Lauren, who is uh, Clemson women's captain. Um, and she was graduating, uh, this past December when she, you know, so she had the three and a half years academically, you know, she was, you know, ahead of, uh, everything and she did well to graduate early. Um, but that she was down here. And so, um, I guess there was a few communication things with the league and they were asking about what I was doing at this time. Um, you know, Jake Edwards, the president of the league and uh, made sure that he told me that they were doing this. And do you know Greenville? Well, I said, I've been there many times with my wife because the downtown area is gorgeous and the restaurants and everything and the foodies here is fantastic. And uh, so look, it, it just kind of stirred up that conversation from there. And Chris Lewis, uh, the president of our club reached out to me and said he was going to be a spring game of uh, my daughter, Lauren's over at Clemson. And if he can bring his daughter and just have a cat chat and conversation. So we did. Uh, that chat and conversation was about four hours on the first day <laughs> on the sideline of two games. And uh, it, it went really well because we were just talking about, you know, what it takes to to build a club from scratch and, and the hard work and rolling up your sleeves and, um, and really being like, you know, part of what Joe Irwin, the leader and, and the ownership group wanted to do. And um, to me, it was just, he described an authentic leadership, you know, a genuine, you know, guy that wanted to do, right by the community, but grow the game. And so, you know, his, his vision matched mine and I love doing it. I love doing it at Cincy. I love giving players opportunities, creating opportunities for staff members and coaches and, and just growing the game. Um, I love doing that. And so it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about, you know, them. It's about the community and building a sporting club, right? From a sporting director standpoint, it's about the vision. You know, you have to put out the vision, not just for the short term and putting a team together and building a roster, but how are we fiscally responsible throughout the whole. And uh, for me, I went back to school um, doing, um, uh, getting my degree in the sports management uh, discipline. And, and so from that perspective, I'm able to lend to them, you know, what the three months, six months, you know, nine months looks like in the first year, what it looks like in the second year and the third year, how we grow and the ins and outs of, of being in the club in this country and being a, a sporting club in this country. So, you know, that, that comes into it as well. So it's important that you have, 
you know, the balance within, you know, where we are, what we want to accomplish, and then where we want to be in, in, in the future. So we're helping to lay that out for them. And coach, are you good to go for another maybe five, seven minutes? Yeah. Yes, I am. Okay. I am. I'm good. All right, uh, all right John, any uh, final questions you got for coach Harks? Uh, just, just one more that is, uh, or two more really. So I, I've, I guess I'm, I'm, the wording might be a little off, but it looks like you've got a couple of your guys in uh, Tyler Pollack, uh, Dallas J, Omar Muhammad, some of those guys who have been with you a couple of times now. Uh, it, what's it like to, you know, have a few players you've already worked with in the past, have already coached, and have a bit more familiarity with when you're building a new team? And who are the names on the roster you think are going to really make some headlines this year? Um, well, I think to answer the first part of your question, uh, John, which is a good question, I think, and actually you, you kind of mentioned, uh, the, one of the words is familiarity. And I think that part of it, you know, um, the relationships that you build, uh, by working in previous clubs, there are managers that, that stick with that sometimes, and they know what the expectations are. They know how to, um, you know, compete and grow. And they, and they also know what it's like to persevere and the adversity of building a brand new club, like some of the speed bumps that are in the road. So both on and off the field, they're already prepared. Um, you know, so that, that, that's really important. And that's huge in terms of their character of who they are and, and what the expectations are. Um, so, you know, from that, that part of it, it it's, it, it's really important. Um, especially, you know, when you got guys like, um, Tyler Pollock, who's got the experience of being the MLS. He's also been in the USL, which is now the USL championship. And now he's being part of this and growing this here. Um, you know, Dallas J guys like that, Evan Lee, um, you know, it's, it's important, you know, you sprinkle in a Kevin Paulitz who was at Wake Forest, who I knew through my son and you keep these relationships and you follow him when he was at the New York Red Bulls, uh, you know, uh, system, uh, guys that step into it, Cole Seiler, who was, an Anderson kid that's local here, but that it was with Vancouver Whitecaps for a couple of years, was with Sacramento last year. You want to keep him here. You don't want him going back there. So you pull in these guys, you know, you, you pull in a, a young uh, guy like a, a Christopher Bermudez, who was a New Jersey kid that I knew when he was 16. And he was in trying to get, they were trying to get him in the New York uh, Red Bulls Academy, which he played in, but then he went to Club Pachuca in Mexico. And he played with the under 23s. So it's just me doing my homework and staying in contact with these guys that when the right time and the occasion comes up that you're coaching a club, you say, would you want to be part of this? You know, and, you know, guys, sometimes guys like Jake Keegan, who's a Binghamton, New York guy, and he makes his, you know, his trek overseas and he wants to make it as a pro and he goes to Ireland and he fights to get into a system as an American kid. And he does extremely well, and he's scoring goals consistently every year in the Ireland's Premier League. And so you, you, you find these guys, and you bring them back, and you say, hey, do you want to be part of this? And, and you know, the, the response is a positive one. And, you know, you get Paul Klaus, who I saw play at Clemson for two, three years, and now he's back in the U.K. Can I bring him back over here to South Carolina to be in Greenville? Absolutely. He's here. Aaron Walker is another player that I signed who was in Sweden Previously to 2017, um, and when I parted ways with Cincinnati, I didn't get to coach him. So I say, hey, 
what are you up to? Where's your health? What's your hunger like? What, what's your sister situation? And he wants to be part of it too. So, you know, these are the things you have, you have these conversations. Uh, and when it comes down to it, it's about trust and relationships and you're hoping to build good footballers, you know, out of that and, and push them on and make them better and challenge them, you know, so they can add things to their game every day. So for me, it's, it's really important to have a balance of that and to have new players and new faces too, that come in and, they're hungry. They want something. They want to learn and they, you know, they want to get better. And, um, and you want to give them a chance to do that. Excellent. And, uh, so for this season, we've got, you know, a bunch of new teams in this league and even the existing teams in Richmond and Toronto, they're pretty much completely retooled compared to last year. It's it's a tall order to ask this, but what's what's a successful first season look like in your mind that come October you can say, you know, if this has happened, at the end of the day we feel good, we feel ready for the next year. Yeah, I, I think it's a good question, John. I mean, so so often people think of just just winning alone is is the right answer, and it's not. It, it's it's winning in the community for me. Um, you know, sure. Uh, as a coach, and I'm a competitive guy, and I've won things in my career, and I want to win. I want to win games for sure. That's why we play. We want to compete. We want to do better. Um, but at the end of the day, too, we're looking to establish ourselves within the community. We're looking to establish ourselves as a strong club within the USL, um, you know, setup. And from that perspective, is can we win on and off the field? Um, can we get a good fan base? You know, can we attract a fan base that knows that you're going to get? Good, honest, uh, hardworking, creative, imaginative, you know, fun attacking soccer teams that, that wants to possess the ball. That's good. Um, so from my perspective, it is like, look, I'd love to get let's get into the playoffs. You know, let's be in that situation that sets us up for success at the end of the season. And if we do that right, anything's possible. Right. But to build off of it, win, lose or draw in the first year. Um you know, with our games and where we land and everything, you want to make sure you establish yourself in the right way. We're being fiscally responsible as a club. Um, we want to make sure that there's longevity there for Greenville Triumph and that we set them up for, for a long time. And uh, if we do that right, that's success. Excellent. And uh, have, have you had much of a chance already just to mingle with the fans, be in the community and get a feel for how things are already building? Uh, yes, I have actually, we, our ownership and front, front office group did a great job of, of community building and, uh, and we've done some service in the area, but we've also, um, joined in, uh, with our Reedy River Riot, which is our supporter club. And we had a, a, a function the other night, an event the other night, and, uh, they just signed up their hundredth supporter, which is fantastic. So they're constantly growing and, uh, so we, we've been in touch with them and they're doing very well. And, uh, you know, we've interacted with, with a lot of, a lot of different people in the community, some that are very knowledgeable in the game of soccer, some that are just coming to it for the first time. And, and they're proud. They're proud people in Greenville. They're proud people in, in Greer. They're, they're, they're proud people in, uh, you know, in the upstate and they, you know, in different, you know, supporting towns and Taylor's and Anderson and everything and, and Simpsonville and, they all want to be part of this. So from our perspective is let's give them something they can be proud of, you know, that when we put the Jersey on that we're wearing and that crest over a heart, you know, it means something to them and it means something to the community. So from our perspective, it's been going well. And I think 
you know, it's only going to continue to go up. And Great. with that, yeah. and with that, that is our show for you. I would want to thank our panelists, John Leonard and John Harks, head coach and sporting director of Greenville Triumph SC. Um, I encourage everyone to go uh, check out uh, the Greenville Triumph. You can find them online, greenvilletriumph.com. If you live anywhere near Greenville, definitely get out to Legacy Early College, their home pitch. Go check out a match. Um, and I believe you can find all their games. I think all the USL League One games are streamed on ESPN Plus, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely check out what Coach Harks is doing out there in South Carolina. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. Also want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. This has been Episode 61. Until next time, I bid you farewell, and remember to watch plenty of footy.